lovely to see you all this morning. My name's Neil, I'm married to, as you all know, the amazing Kate. Together we serve this community of faith, the Southwest London Vineyard. If you're new here or visiting, you're very, very welcome. It's lovely to see you. If you've got a Bible, turn me to John chapter four. And as we journey together through Lent, we're gonna carry on our series uh, looking at the seven, the seven signs of Jesus. We're going to look at John chapter 4 before we go any further. Let's pray. Spirit of the living God, we welcome you here. We thank you for your tangible presence in our midst. We ask that you would come and still and quiet our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, that you would speak to us through the scriptures, and that as, as we've been worshiping and singing, that heaven would come in this place this morning in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. This is John Chapter 4, starting in verse 46. Once more he visited Cana in Galilee, this is Jesus, uh, where he had turned water into wine. We looked at that a couple of weeks ago. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay ill at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, Yesterday, at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. This was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. Now, I thought we'd do things a little bit differently this morning because uh, I know how everyone loves a little bit of change. Uh, so rather than me talking for the next 25 minutes or so, which I know is going to be a huge disappointment to you, uh, we're just going to take a very brief look at this text, and then we're going to spend the rest of our time doing what John Wimber, who kind of founded this uh, stream of churches called The Vineyard, what John Wimber used to call a clinic, uh, which doesn't sound as painful as... Uh, it sounds, it isn't as painful as it sounds. And all that, all that means, what that, what that means is we're just going to take some time uh, to, to pray for one another, to minister to one another in the power of the Holy Spirit. And for those of us who may not be familiar with what that means and what that looks like, to kind of um, learn, if you like, on the job, uh, how, how to do it. So uh, that's what we're going to do, but more of that in a minute. First of all, just back to John chapter 4. Here's, Je uh, here's Jesus once again performing miracles. Uh, this time he's back in Galilee. And these miracles that he's performing, are, they're all these signs pointing to who he is, indicating who he is, revealing who he is. They're tangible and physical demonstrations uh, that the, Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, that he has come to restore and renew and redeem the whole of creation. 
Now, if you go back a couple of verses to the beginning of John chapter 4, we see that Jesus has just come through Samaria. He's made his way up from Jerusalem, where last week he was turning over tables in the temple. He's come up from Jerusalem in Judea. He's come past through Samaria, uh, where he has this remarkable encounter with the woman at the well. And she is so impacted uh, by meeting Jesus that what she does is she goes back to her village and she tells everyone to come and meet a man who told me everything I ever did. And if you read John chapter 4 verse 40, we, what we see is that the Samaritans, uh, indeed, they went to Jesus. They went to seek him out. They believed. They took her at her word and they went to find out about this Jesus and they begged him to stay for a couple of days. And in verse 41, it says, and because of his words, many more became believers. Because of his words, many more became believers. And that phrase, because of his words, is quite important. We'll come back to that in a minute. Then uh, leaving Samaria, Jesus goes up to uh, Galilee, uh, which is in the north. um, And he goes back to Cana, uh, which is where he performed uh, the miracle at the, the wedding. And in Cana, he comes across, in verse 46, he comes across this royal official uh, whose son is lying uh, sick in Capernaum. Capernaum is about 25 miles away from Cana. Have a look at verse 47. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. Now, remember the Samaritans' response to Jesus. The Samaritans responded, and how many of those Samaritans came to faith. They came to faith because of his words. And here Jesus' response to the official in verse 48 is, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will never believe. Now, if we were to go right back to the very start of this stream of churches called uh, the Vineyard, uh, we, uh, as we've always said, you know, we are uh, just one. We see the church, the global church, the historic church as this great big stew and we are just, here in the Vineyard, we're just a tiny, tiny flavor in that stew. You know, you've got the Anglicans and the Catholics and the Methodists. They're like the meat and the vegetables and the, the important beer. And we're like, um, you know, the Vineyard's been knocking around for about 45 years. We're, we're like a pinch of paprika. Uh, like, a, like a, that's about it. Um, however... We may not be much in the scheme of things of the church history in the last 2,000 years, but we do add a little bit of flavor, right, nonetheless. And if we were to go back to the right, the start of this stream of churches called the Vineyard began some, I think, 45 years or so ago. It started with people like uh, Ken Gullickson and John and Carol Wimber. And it started really with just these people talking to uh, other people about Jesus, This whole thing started by people like that just simply sharing their faith and bearing witness to what Jesus had done in their lives and then seeing people come to faith in Jesus in their hundreds, if not in their thousands. And sometimes as these guys would share the good news of Jesus, they would do so with words, you know, sort of apologetics and compelling uh, arguments. Most of the time, however, they did so through what became known as power evangelism, signs and wonders. And so Wimber would be out and about and he'd come across someone who was sick and uh, so he'd offer to pray for them. And sometimes they'd be healed. Uh, When he started out, most of the time they weren't healed, 
but he just felt like that's what's in the Bible, so we should just do what's in the Bible. So he carried on offering to pray for the sick, and slowly but surely, people started getting healed. But sometimes they would, sometimes they wouldn't. But as a result, always as a result of their encounter with the Holy Spirit, people would want to know more about this person called Jesus who touched their lives, sort of irrespective of whether they were healed or not. We had a friend uh, who sadly is no longer with us, uh, but in his early 20s, early 20s he, was, he was seriously, seriously addicted to drugs. He was a heroin addict. Um, and he, he met some of these guys who were knocking around at the start of the vineyard. And they prayed for him. And literally overnight, he was completely set free of his heroin addiction. Literally overnight. And he never touched drugs again. Uh, he became probably, possibly, certainly in my opinion, one of the finest worship leaders the vineyard's ever seen. Um, and what Jesus is saying here is that there will always be some people who, unless they see signs and wonders, will never believe. And in his mercy and his grace and his kindness and his compassion, Jesus heals the official's son. He doesn't even need to go to him. He doesn't even need to be there with him and lay hands on him. He just speaks the word and it's done. The very same hour, in that very moment, the fever leaves the boy and the boy gets better. Just have a look at verse 53. Verse 53 says, Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. So he and his whole household believed. This is absolutely central. The purpose the point, if you like, of Jesus healing this boy was so that the whole household would come to faith. This was power evangelism in action. Healing the sick in and through the power of the Holy Spirit so that yes, they would be healed. This wonderful demonstration, this tangible demonstration of the kingdom, the rule and reign of the kingdom of God breaking through. But more importantly, even that they would come to faith in Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus was doing. And that's what we as the church some 2,000 years later have been called to do. In Matthew 10, we see that Jesus called his disciples together um, and he, he called his disciples to him and he gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. And then uh, in Luke 10, Jesus sends out the 72 and he tells them to do exactly the same thing. It's heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. In John 14, 12, Jesus says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And then in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, this is after Jesus' death and resurrection, Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. You see, the authority that was on Jesus to demonstrate the rule and the reign of the kingdom of God through signs and wonders was passed on to his disciples who did exactly the same things that they saw Jesus doing and that's now been passed on to us as the church that we would do the same things that Jesus did but and what's absolutely key here just like the healing of the official son the purpose of it all the point of it all 
is so that he and his whole household might believe. And what that means is that while it's wonderful that the Lord in his goodness and his mercy and his kindness and his grace would choose to bless those of us who already have faith in Jesus by healing us and mending us and setting us free, all of this stuff, all of these power encounters, these signs and wonders, they are not meant for the church. They're not really meant for us. They're for people who don't yet know Jesus. They're for the last and the least and the lost who are desperately searching for answers to everything they're facing. And oh my goodness, do we not live in a moment of time where people are desperately looking for answers to the challenges that they're facing. And so what happens is what we do here and what we do in our house groups and our small groups is in fact just practice for the main event. It's just rehearsal for the main event, which is out, it's out there. It's not in here. It's in the highways and byways. It's in our very own Jerusalems and Judeas and Samarias right to the very end of the earth. The blessing that we receive, and God is so good. He is so kind. He lavishes blessing after blessing upon us. The blessing we receive as followers of Jesus, the mercy of God, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, wonderful as all of that is, is not to be kept as a secret that happens here when we all gather together. It's to be poured out and shared and freely given to all those we meet during the week, wherever it is the Lord sends us. Freely we have received, freely we give. And so what we learn to do here, what we do here is we learn how to do it. And we practice on one another because we're sort of mostly all friends. And like, if it all goes terribly wrong, like no one's going to get too offended. Uh, and we learn how to do it. And we learn how to do it safely and compassionately and kindly and well. But it's not the ultimate purpose. If it stays in here, it, the water just goes a bit stagnant. It starts to stink a little bit. It needs to be free flowing. The river needs to flow from the temple. It's not the ultimate purpose. The purpose is that we take what we learn and what we experience in here and we take it out and we give it away out there. So this morning we're just going to take some time to practice. That's what we're going to do. We're going to practice on one another and of course the Lord as I said is very kind and gracious and merciful and the Lord will bless that but the purpose is it's so that we might be better equipped for wherever it is the Lord sends us over the course of the week that's ahead of us and the weeks that are ahead of us. Does that make sense? Not politely. So in a moment, we're just going to invite, um, there's no need to kind of freak out. It's not like, it's not freaky. In a moment, we're just going to invite the Spirit of God to come. And I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to just invite any of you who would like prayer, uh, any of you who are literally in need of an encounter of the Spirit of God. It could be for any reason whatsoever. I'm going to ask you to just come up here. Uh, don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to do anything. I'm not going to ask you to sing or dance or speak. Uh, you won't, won't be asked to, to share anything that you don't want to, so it's absolutely fine. Um, it's just if you come down here, then we can see who it is that we need to be praying for. So I'll be inviting you to come down here so that we can get some people to pray for you. 
And that's what's going to happen next. Uh, it may be that you're sick and you need God to heal you. It may be that you're going through a really, really hard time and you just need God to comfort you. It could be that you literally just need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You just need an encounter of the Holy Spirit. Again, it could be for any reason. It doesn't really matter. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite everyone else to come and pray for you. Um, and so we should either all be being prayed for or we should be praying for someone else. Does that make sense? And then uh, what we'll do is we'll just go through things, through things step by step and we'll see what the Lord does. And right now I'm kind of like out on a limb because I'm up here and like, like you lot could just like walk out the back door. So please don't do that. Um, so, um, okay, if you'd like to be prayed for, come and stand up here.